Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. It is so good to see all of you here this morning. We welcome those that are joining us through Facebook Live. And I, I, I want to I ask a question. I want to see... Um, if you'll respond or answer my question, how many of you remember life before computers? Raise your hand. Oh, there's a good number. I thought we might have some liars in the building today. But no, you came through. You're honest. That's right. Young people, teenagers, young adults. There was a time. You're in the room. And may live with some people that were alive before computers. I'm at the age where I just missed having it in school. Now, I understand it's it's required now. And, you know, you grow up learning how to do computers. If I have questions about computers, I'll ask people, as I mentioned, in in the room, in the staff, or I'll call my daughter. She'll straighten me out just like that. She'll help me out. She's not always patient with me, but she's going to help. She's going to help her brother out, help her old daddy out. She knows that that's not one of my lanes. But I, I, so when I graduated from seminary, it was the very next semester that they started requiring all seminary students to take a basic computer class. So I was launched into ministry and into full-time work and family life and back to Mississippi without knowing how to use the computer. I thought, surely this thing's going to go away, you know, because I thought, goodness, I don't like technology and everybody's talking about it and they're practicing it and doing it. And at the time they looked really huge. Some of them were really big. And I just, I tried to avoid it for the longest time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to work around this. I'm going to make sure I'm surrounded by people that know how to use the computer, specifically email. And my administrative assistant can tell me, so-and-so emailed you, and they asked this question. Okay, well, write this down. And she'd go in there, and she'd type it back. I'm telling you, I did pretty good for a number of years, avoiding it. And then there came a time. It's like, okay, it is not going away. I've got to learn how to do this. And so there was a sweet lady working at the church. It was one of my stints serving at Morrison Heights in Clinton. And there was a lady there working that's uh, still with us today, still alive. Every time I see her, I thank her for teaching me and being my tutor in using the computer. Her name is Rita Anderson. And Sarita says, okay, Hal, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. And we scheduled the first Wednesday. Now, I was a little anxious. I didn't let people know it. But inside, I was thinking, oh, I dread this. I'd rather, you know, take some class or something. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to be good. And so Miss Rita came in. She, showed, she sat down. She sat down beside me. There was the computer. She says, okay, you ready? I said, I think so. And she says, you see this button right here? Yeah. 
she said, push the button. I said, yeah, just see that button? Just push it. And I did. I was successful. I pushed the button. She said, that's it. She got up and left. That was my first lesson, which was good. You know, the old saying, inch, cinch by the inch, hard by the yard. She knew me pretty well. I was like, with technology, I got to take one step at a time with Brother Hal. And that was the right thing. But she explained to me, she says, Hal, listen, that's the power source. If you don't know how to press the button and turn it on, we, we, don't, we don't get anywhere. Today, we're going to talk about the power source of the Christian life. Now, as we land the plane on this particular series as your new pastor, we've talked about a number of things as a church, kind of some things that we need to be involved in to be an encouraging church. I've kind of let you know my wiring one particular Sunday. We talked about some priorities of our church and explained those words that are out there on that big sign out there and how I see them accomplished and we talked about trying to reach the world, Acts 1-8 and Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. And so what I want to do today is I, I want to talk about the power source. If you have your Bible, turn back to Acts chapter 4. Last week as we were in Acts 1-8, we talked about the Acts, the Acts of God, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church. And if you look at Acts and read it, you're going to see they do a lot of praying. A lot of prayer went on. And so what we want to know as a church is how, how do we pray? Why do we pray? What are methods of praying? What are reasons to pray? I mean, I just want to tell you, prayer is not necessarily easy. Some people are timid or afraid of prayer for various reasons. Maybe they had bad experiences. Maybe they think God is up there judging their prayer. Maybe they feel like somebody is in the room judging their prayer. Maybe they didn't grow up with parents that prayed a lot or prayed at all. And so what I want us to do is I, I want to I make sure that we understand that it's important to pray in different ways and at different times all the time. Not just when we're approaching a revival or Easter or an event. Not just because there's a new season of having a new pastor. All that is fine and good and it is very important. But we need to know that this is the power source. If we really want... To make a difference for the kingdom of God, we must get this in our DNA more and more and more. We must understand why it's important. It's important to do privately when we're with a group, in a small group, while we're driving down the road with our eyes open, at different times in life, celebrating what God has done, praising God in prayer, thanking him. Or in crisis times like we've experienced in the state of Mississippi and we prayed. And so here's what I want to do. I want to read this one powerful verse in chapter 4, NIV version, verse 31 of Acts. Now you're going to see that there were some folks all shook up way before our homeboy Elvis' song. Here's what it says. 
after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. After they prayed. Well, I read that again because most of us have maybe read that passage. I'm thinking, wait a minute, what prompted them to pray in the first place? Why did they get there? We're going to look at that, one of our major points, if you're keeping notes on your outline. And then when it says they were all shook up, and I'm going to talk about Elvis here, but what, what did it mean? It meant God affected their lives while it was going on, and God continued to do a great work in their lives and the life of their church after. And there's some practicality if you dig into this particular passage that I'm hoping and praying we'll pick up on. Now, I want to give you some quotes about prayer. There's a lot of them. A lot of them good out there. Just, just hang on. Listen to some of these. Oswald Chambers, when you're in the dark, listen, and God will give you a very precious message. You ever been in the dark? If you live long enough, you have. You're either in the storm coming out or going in as long as we're here until we get to heaven. And some of the greatest times of prayer is when we get along with God and we're in the dark. We read, we talk, but we listen. He's got a word for you today if you're in the dark. You say, I didn't know I was in the dark until this past week. But preacher, if you only knew, let me tell you something. God knows. Get with him, talk to him, and listen. That's a part of prayer, is being sure that we listen. Eastern mysticism, religion out there, has made it strange to meditate. Listen, biblically, there is a place for it when we meditate on God's word and his ways, and we listen, not just talk. Here's another quote. Cynthia Lewis says, if your day is hemmed in with prayer, it is less likely to come unraveled. Praying in the morning, praying in the evening, in between times. Jay Strack, president of SLU Student Leadership University in Orlando, says this, leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. If you're a leader in your home, you're a leader in your church, you're a leader in your company, you're a leader on the ball field, you're a leader in your classroom, and you're a Christian, leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. I like that quote, John Macefield, God warms his hands at man's heart when he prays. Tony Evans, a grateful heart is the beginning of greatness. It is an expression of humility. It is a foundation for the development of such virtues as prayer, faith, courage, contentment, happiness, love, and well-being. Ben Franklin said, work as if you were to live a hundred years. Pray as if you were to die tomorrow. In other words, live with a sense of urgency, talking to God about everything. Elizabeth Elliot, that godly woman of old, said prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. J. Sidlow Baxter. Men may spur our appeals, reflect our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. You have a situation, a family, a friend that you've done all you can, you've talked to them, you've tried to influence them, and you say, you know what, I just I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You pray for them. You get on your knees and you pray about it. Nobody can stop us. God can use those prayers. 
Warren Wiersbe. To neglect prayer is to cheapen everything Jesus has accomplished for us at Calvary and is doing for us now in glory. S.D. Gordon said the great people of the earth today are the people who pray, not those who just talk about prayer. Tim Keller, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. And he also said this prayer, though it is often draining, even an agony is the long-term and greatest source of power that is possible. Plugging into the power source. Major point number one is this. Prayer happens after celebrating God's work. So it says in that passage, our focal passage, after they prayed, what were they doing? They were being grateful. Wasn't Thanksgiving. It was just being a thankful heart as a believer and saying, God, I don't want to rush by what you've been doing. And they, and they prayed a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving. There are a number of things that can motivate us to pray. We've, we've seen that today. We've talked about different ways. I think one of the greatest motivators is fear. It can cause us to want to pray. Now, since we baptized today, let me share a few experiences with you about baptizing some folks through the years that I prayed an instant prayer like that. Dear God, help me in this situation. Sometimes we pray like that. It's wonderful to get in our prayer closet. It's wonderful to pray with people. But sometimes, and if we have a relationship with God, he's okay with it. We pray when we face something that we've never experienced before. Now, you can imagine uh, over the years, I've had a number of different experiences baptizing people, and the majority of them went fine and rather smooth. But I have had some rough waters along the way. Let me tell you about two or three. One was in my first church, First Baptist Middleburg, Florida, outside of Jacksonville. I'd been the student minister at Morrison Heights. This church didn't know what they were doing, so they hired a youth minister from Mississippi to be their pastor. And so we were in one of our early baptismal candidates' meetings before we were going to be baptized, and there was Big John. Big John was about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, He's probably about 45 years old or so, had long hair, and Big John ate a lot of donuts, I think. And so we were in the meeting beforehand. He looked at me. He said, Pastor, do you think... Uh, you can handle me. Now, look, I was young and kind of, you know, well, absolutely. I got you, John. It's no problem. Well, I got to tell you, we got in the baptismal pool. Big John went down. He stayed down. I couldn't get him up. You know what I did? I prayed, dear God, help me. The, I'm, I'm new here, and they, 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 I, I, I kind of was cocky with John and said, I got you, and now I can't. Dear God, help me, I prayed. That's a time to pray. See, see, fear can be a good motivator. God wants us to have that kind of relationship. We can pray with him. We can laugh with him. We can talk with him. That's what prayer is. 
I'm going to tell you about another one. This one happened a, a, a number of years later, and we decided on a Wednesday night to fill up. It was like a pool, a baptismal pool. The only problem was uh, it was, it was, the water was really too, there was too much water in it. Y'all tracking with me? And so it was our first baptism, and somebody probably, you know, close to my size, maybe uh, a little bit uh, heavier, a little few more donuts and going to Janie's Pastry or whatever, although it wasn't around here, got in, you know what I'm saying? I thought, oh, Lord, she got into the pool, and the water started, you know. I said, oh, God, you dried up the land so they could cross the Red Sea, please. Please help us, Lord. She was precious. Our people were great. One more and I'll stop. There was one particular Sunday, not too terribly long ago, and she went down, but she wouldn't go down far enough. She was wanting to come up before she was immersed. I said, Lord, forgive me, but she's going down. I took her down. I didn't want her to come up a Methodist. She survived. She was biblically baptized. Now, I tell you that to say there's different motivations to pray. Have the kind or strive for the kind of relationship where you can pray, laugh, talk to him, praise his name, and be thankful. Now, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you don't, I just want you to listen. I'm going to go back before our focal passage of verse 31, and I'm going to just read and highlight some of the things that prompted the prayer. Okay? Some amazing things took place. And then I'll summarize in chapter 4, look, verse 3. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put, put them in the jail until the next day. Why? Because they were testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and God had changed their life and they were sharing the gospel and following their calling in life. But many who heard the message believed So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. In other words, they were put in prison. They were put in the huskow, and God just multiplied their efforts by putting them in this dark place. Sometimes we're in a dark place, and God can multiply his efforts by his grace if we'll stay faithful and not lose our joy. These guys didn't. And then verse 12, ooh, here's a good one. Here's a good one if you hear somebody say, surely there are many ways to heaven. Surely there are many ways to God. Nuh-uh, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And then here's it, here it is, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I'm telling you, there's some good stuff in here. That's why they were praying after they had prayed. Why were they praying? Because of all these things that were going on. Verse, verse 13, when they saw they, those witnesses, the courage of Peter and John, realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That didn't mean they were doofuses. It just mean they had not been raised, uh, raised as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and been to all the religious schools. But they knew, they knew Jesus. And when you know Jesus, it's amazing how he can use us 
just by reflecting his image. When they saw that, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's amazing the kind of witness we can have when people see us in prison in a dark place, and yet we still love Jesus and we're still testifying by his grace. Doesn't mean every day is going to be hunky-dory or smooth, but they see, man, they're still okay. They saw these guys are still okay, and they've been going through a rough time. Sets an example. Verse 16 what are we going to do with these men? It's like, man, what are we going to do with these guys? They are messing up. The apple cart, they, they, they are messing us up. The religious ways. But to stop this thing, verse 17, from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Ooh, I like their courage, don't you? Man, those guys were strong. You be the judges. As for us, verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can relate to that. We have a child. We have a grandchild. We can't help but show pictures. Have you seen AJ lately, my granddaughter? Let me show you a picture. Those kind of things. Well, this is Jesus and the change he makes in our life. They couldn't help it. Then verse 23, on their release, they let them go, Peter and John, went back to their own people, reported all the chief priests and the elders that said to them, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. They just started praying, God, you are sovereign, sovereign Lord. You work all things together for good, Romans eight twenty eight. They said, you made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything. And they just started praising God. God, this is you. You are omnipresent. You're the creator of the world. You are omniscient, just praising God for who he was and he is. And then verse 29, lie, O Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So point number one was what? Prayer happens after celebrating God's work. And there was a great work that went on before that verse that we read for the text. Two major points of application before we move on to point number two. It could be summarized from what we just read. Here's the first one. Lives were changed due to the boldness of Peter and John's testimony. Lives were changed due to the boldness of Peter and John's testimony. It's amazing when we hand out invite cards, sometimes it gives us a chance to share our testimony. It's amazing that uh, we have classes today in our church, even this day, that are teaching people to share their testimony. I had the wonderful opportunity to go in our college and career class and see that they've been talking about how to share their testimony, their life before Christ, how they met Christ, what he's done since, and to testify about that. Isn't that wonderful to know that we've got that age group making life decisions, and yet they're realizing the greatest decision in all, of all is putting their faith in Christ, and they're learning, God, help me to be bold. Help me to share my faith. And they're learning and being trained how. Lives were changed due to the boldness of Peter and John's testimony. Sometimes when people see that we're bold enough to jump out there, that prompts them 
to also be willing to share their faith and to realize God is real because why would someone do that just out of the goodness of their heart? Not necessarily, but to be religious, perhaps, but mainly because somebody has changed their life and they want to tell somebody about it and that somebody is Jesus. Here's the second thing to summarize that text. Point number one, lives were influenced due to the boldness of Peter and John to fear God alone. Let me tell you something. Leaders in this church, leaders in the community, a lot of people will take Jesus seriously if they see us taking Jesus seriously. Not being odd for God, but just being real, being authentic, growing our relationship, doing things that might be outside of our comfort zone. Listen, as a believer, we you're supposed to get outside of our comfort zone a lot i still do you probably do and that doesn't mean we're doing the wrong thing probably means we're doing the right thing now being outside of our gift zone and comfort zone are two different things being outside of our gift zone would be like me trying to you know saying okay one sunday robert if it's okay let me run the technology this sunday Somebody else jump up there. That would be, you know, ridiculous because that's, that's, that's out of my gift zone, my ability, my, my shape. Comfort zone is a whole different thing. And sometimes God causes, causes us or calls us to get out of our comfort zone, and it can be used for good. So if you're outside your comfort zone, praise God. If you're outside your gift zone, you might want to rethink something real quick and try to get in your gift zone. Sometimes that occurs. So... They were bold, and it influenced others. Billy Graham said, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Are we doing anything here at East Haven that's obviously God doing it? If so, I pray so. I believe there are things like that. We need to stop and pray and praise God. And say, God, this would not be happening if not for you. It's a God thing. We all need to realize that helps our prayer life when we stop and we praise God for all the good things that he's done. Secondly, prayer enables a shakeup for continuing God's were God's people pray what happened more happened because God saw their dependency on him think back to some of those quotes God saw uh, a, a dependent people church humble folks realizing they were giving him the credit and saying God do more so look at the rest of the chapter 32 All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. With great joy, verse 33, of the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. From time to time, those who owned owned land or houses and sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone who had need. Oh, Barnabas, that son of encouragement, we talked about a few uh, weeks ago was an example. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So what happens? Prayer enables a shakeup. And we see from the beginning of that, he says they were one in heart and mind. Listen, when God starts working in a church, the enemy hates it. And he will do everything he can to get us distracted 
or cause us to lock horns with each other. We must pray. It's a powerful weapon of God. It is the power source. Because I'm telling you, he won't leave us alone. He won't. He'll attack our individual lives. He'll attack our spouses. He'll attack our family, our kids, our church family, all these different ways. We must have a spirit of prayer, especially when God starts doing a fresh work. It unites. He'll do everything to get us crossways. He'll come against us. He'll use social media. He'll use our past. He'll use our personal sacred sacred cows you just fill in the blanks prayer is serious in the battle plan number number two that i want to point out as a sub point for this major point number two it's not in your notes but just some thoughts you may want to write them down if you're writing notes number two is first of all prayer unites and secondly prayer prompted further declaration of the resurrection of jesus christ they kept coming back to jesus and what he'd done first corinthians 118 the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's all this about, Jesus? What's, what was the baptism about, Jesus? What other ministries are going to it, it better be about Jesus. It's all about him. So they came back to that, and they talked about the resurrection and what Jesus has done. Thirdly, prayer provided even more grace. Why? God sees our heart. God gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need as much grace as I can get. And then number four, prayer calls people to be generous. Generosity just overflowed, Barnabas and others. I want to encourage you, as Robert shared to take the tool that's available for the next 30 days. Kelly and I are so grateful for the way you've prayed for us. We've got like a 90-day emphasis. The next section or part of our prayer, it looks just like this. And if you go out, go to the kiosk, there should be plenty of copies. And it helps us know how to pray for our community and how to pray specifically, especially during the Easter season, each day. It doesn't mean that we don't pray for other things, but we add and we're specific. Can you imagine if 20, 30, 40, 50, if all of us, as much as we can, pray for each one of these things together? God answers prayer. So use that tool. Um, it's about our community and reaching it for Christ. Now, why? Is that so important that we do that as a church? Let me read this. Some of you may have heard this before. Your church, East Haven, needs to be a significant church. So much so that if every member died off today or the doors were shut for some reason, the city would say, oh, no, what are we going to do? That's the kind of church that we want to be, that I believe after a month in some ways we are, but we're nowhere where God wants us to be. And by his grace, we will be that. That if something in a tornado came and wiped us all out, 
for some reason we had to shut down, people say, oh, no, what, what are we going to do? And, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen unless we're punch the button, connected to the power source. Now, in conclusion, two or three or four practical things real quick that I want to share with you about prayer. Because I don't want to leave this subject. We'll have other times without saying some of these things. Real quick, don't give up. You say, wait, do you have something else? No, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your prayer life. Number two, build it into your daily lives, kind of like the invite cards. We talked about that. Just build it as a discipline, a part of your daily lives. Just build it in, all kinds of prayers. Make it a habit. Number three, organize your prayers. It might be that some of you are kind of bent toward being organized. Well, get you a sheet of paper or get you an app on your phone. Make notes. Have a daily thing. There's three or four things you're going to pray about daily. Usually have to do with your family, burn for lost people, whatever it might be. And then do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Daily. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Find some things to pray about each of those days. And if so, here's another thing. Somebody says, hey, look, I need you to pray for me about something. Now, we have to be careful because they can make, or we can be liars. Oh, I'll pray about it, brother. And we may forget. Here's a tip on that. Pray about it right then or make you a note or say, hey, can you send me a text or send me an email to remind me so we can do that daily, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Make it a part of your prayer. Organize your prayer time. Number four, prayer walk. I love the fact that we've started prayer walking here at our church. Now, you can prayer walk your neighborhood. You can prayer your walk. Now, again, I think you ought to, if you're going to walk, you ought to keep your eyes open so you don't stumble, fall on the concrete or something. Just, 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 just walk and pray. You say, well, what if my neighbors see me talking? They may think I'm talking to, you, to myself. Well, just don't move your lips. And if they do, it's all right. Just, just, just pray. Prayer walk. Change up your place where you pray. Every now and then. Just make it, make it different. Do some prayer walking. Or see Miss Sheila or Miss Kay. If you say, man, I'd like to get a part of that prayer walking before everything starts up here. Talk to them. It's, so a, it's such a blessing to see some people walking around. And some of you may not even know they're doing it, but they're praying. Oh, we need to pray. We need to pray for our staff. We need to pray for our Sunday school teachers. We need to pray over the seats. Dear God, help us all. That's what they're doing. It's important. Here's another practical thing. Just talk to him and don't forget to listen. Talk to him, don't forget to listen. Number six, stop worrying about what others may think about your prayers. Chances are they're not hearing them anyway. God's not up there with a billy club rating you. Oh, that's a five, Hal. No. Listen, somebody that loves you, your parent, your spouse, she kids, how much do you really give thought to when you talk to them? Now, some of us should stop and give more thought than we do. We just rah, 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 talk, get us in trouble. But what I'm saying is you feel like you can talk to them. It's a power source. Don't overthink it. And that leads me 
to number seven on this, it's more important to pray in private than in public, so stop worrying about that. My first prayer at First Baptist Canton, Mississippi, when I was before my final year at Mississippi College. I was on the five-year plan, by the way. They asked me to come be the interim summer youth guy. Lewis Smith was a pastor. I was terrified after he said, now, how? usually the person in your position prays on Sunday morning. I thought, oh, no. And had a lot of experience praying in public. And there's going to be people out there, God. And there were my first prayer, public prayer, uh, lasted about 45 seconds. My second one, two and a half seconds. Some people don't want to pray in public. And you know what? It's okay. My grandfather on my mother's side, N.W. Overstreet, went to First Baptist Jackson. He was an architect. He was a deacon. Dr. Hudgens, the pastor, they were real close. And N.W. Overstreet didn't pray out loud. He told him, don't call on me to pray in public. Don't call on me to pray in public at this big church. He did one time. And the word is, he led him in the Lord's Prayer. Y'all honor the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, everybody just started praying. He's digging in the church. I think sometimes we get a little bit too worked up about public prayer. Now, nothing wrong with it. If you spend time alone with God and grows you in your prayer life and you feel comfortable with it or you're called upon it, don't think that, you know, if your first time you feel like, you know, you're about a, a, a one and a half on the scale of ten in your mind, not in God's mind, that doesn't mean you, you quit. It just means sometimes it takes time and experience and, and not overthinking it. But I'm going to tell you what's most important from everything I've read in here is what happens in our private prayer life. We've got some things to pray about, not just in the immediate whether it's Palm Sunday and having the Lord's Supper next Sunday or Easter Sunday and inviting people and trying to be sure that these uh, seats are full with people and that people are in the choir and people are assisting and the deacons are having some help and doing all they've got to do for two services. There's a lot to pray about. There's a lot to pray about with that new member class next week. And hopefully we'll have to go to another room because there's so many in there, but we want to pray that we will make prayer a part of the DNA of our church forever and ever and ever by the grace of God. Dear God, thank you for reminding us to stay plugged in to the power source. I pray now for those that may need to make public decisions, may need to come to the altar and pray about prayer, whatever it is, God, join this church. I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Respond as God leads, please.